we are starting a new series this morning that I'm very excited about called Rooted, and it comes with a workbook that if you haven't purchased, we have a few left. We actually have about 12 left, 12 to 15 left, and they're $20, and you say, well, I could buy it online for cheaper. That is true. But if uh, you buy it online for $17, then we don't get the $3 that we use to help other people who might not be able to afford the book. We subsidize all of that because we don't want anyone to not be able to participate. We've also been signing up for small groups, which is a big part of the Rooted um, thing. And I'll be talking about that more in my sermon this morning. Um, but if you haven't signed up for a small group, you can do that as well. They start this week. And so... Uh, if you haven't been contacted by your facilitator yet, let me know, and I'll get you all hooked up with that. But if you signed up for it, you, are, you have a group, and you're ready to go. Um, if you're reading the book, you've decided uh, small groups are just too much of a lift for me. I'm kind of frightened. I get it. I understand. You can still get a book and join with us. I'll be preaching. This is a 10-week series, and I'll be going along with the book. And so if you're by yourself or maybe you're watching online and you're leading a group from your uh, neighborhood in whichever state you're in or whatever, um, you would go ahead and start today on your reading. This first week is only like four pages. It's just an intro to the system. And then we uh, go from there. So I hope that's clear. If you have any questions, you can email me personally, john at livingspring.com. And I'll be happy to answer any of your questions and get you all hooked up. And if you're watching online and you want to lead a group in your context, I can help you do that as well. Um, I don't know about you, but I have had the privilege throughout my life, and I still do, and I'm talking about many of you actually, of meeting people and having relationships with people that are really, really good at what they do. Some are engineers who are really good engineers. Some are musicians that are really good musicians. Tanner has a great voice, right? So we have these people. I've met moms that are just really, really good moms. I've met dads who are really, really good dads. I've met people who are really good athletes, exceptional athletes. I've met people who are really good lawyers and doctors and really good salespeople. I've met people who are just, they excel at what they do. And it could be anything. It could be a hobby. I've played golf with people that I can't believe they're not on the tour. Like, I don't know how they do that, but they're just really good at their craft or tennis or what, what have you. I've met people who are really good at gardening. Whatever they touch, whatever they plant grows, right? And I, I don't know how that, I don't know how that happens. It's like, seems magic to me. I know really good cooks. I married one right? I know really good barbecue people. I know them personally. No, I'm just joking. Around. Right. So, right, right? And, and you're probably good at, at something, you know? You're probably really good. We have people in here that are awesome at knitting. I mean, they're so creative, and we, we just have people all over the gamut. But no matter what it is, no matter what the topic is, whether it's sports or music or uh, sales or whatever it is, most people who are good at things, have all the same things in common. One is they've submitted themselves to the best practices of what that is. 
So if you're a good cook, you know how much of a dash of this and a pinch of that, and you have all the things. You've, you've probably, if you're like me, I love woodworking. I'm not that great at it, but I'm learning. And so I'm online all the time on YouTube just watching wood, woodworking. And they submit to a certain uh, set of best practices of when you're supposed to cut that wood and how you're supposed to do it. And whatever your hobbies or your career is or whatever, you've probably met those people. And that's, that's the first thing. They've submitted themselves to these rules a lot of times, to best practices a lot of times. They're in a community of people that they're learning from. The second thing that they do very, very well, no matter what it is, is practice, practice, practice. These people who are good at what they do and whatever thing there is, they, they fall down. They don't, they, there are some days, there are some, some of the woodworkers I see, they flunk, they fail. The thing turns out to be terrible. They had a great idea. They thought it was going to be creative and it flopped. Maybe you've had that. Maybe you're a cook and you've, you thought, I'm going to try this new thing. I'm going to. I saw John's Instagram in Korea and I'm going to learn how to make kimchi. And then you do it and it's terrible and it's horrible. And you wake up the next day and you go either I'm never going to make that again or I'm going to twist it and change it and look up and do all these different things. And yes, I know. And so you, you go through all these different things, right? And you're always, you're always testing. So it's not that you're always good at it. If you're a musician, okay, I'll just speak for guitar because it's the only instrument I know how to play. You run your scales. Even if you're an excellent, even if you're top, even if you're the greatest guitar player of all time, you go into the shed and you run your scales. You practice, practice, practice. You're always stretching. You're always trying. Now, if that's the case with people I know in any area of their life, why wouldn't it be the same when it has to do with our souls and the care of our souls? And, the, and, and the, the, the way we follow Jesus. And so what I'm going to be doing over the next 10 weeks and what you're going to be doing in your groups or what you're going to be doing as you go through the book is getting back in touch with the rhythms that Jesus had. These seven practices that are very basic. For those of you who've been a Christian for a very long time, you'll look and you'll say, oh, this is so basic. I, 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 need, something, I need something deeper or more. I, I will, by the end of this day, uh, this, this uh, sermon, I'm hoping that I will encourage you that it is vitally important if you are going to be good at soul care, if you are going to be a disciple of Jesus, Going back to basics is what everybody does in anything that they do that they're good at, okay? And so I'm going to really quickly go over some of these rhythms of rooted that we have and uh, seven things that we're going to be discussing over the weeks. This week is an introduction. We're going to sit in uh, some different things that we're going to look at the early church and then we're going to look at some things Jesus said and then we'll get you out of here. But one of the first rhythms is this idea of daily devotion daily devotion, having what we would call a quiet time, a time set aside. Every single person I know, every single person I know who has got this relationship with Jesus down into something where I would say, yeah, I want to be like that person. They seem to have it down. All of them seem to have this 
daily time with God. And there are so many different, you can go on the internet and type in a system for a quiet time and there will be a billion of them. There's no right or wrong way to do that. What I've discovered in looking at other people and, and, and just the way I try to model my life after Jesus is that just some time every day set aside seems to be the best practices. And so we're going to talk about that, a daily devotion. Some people, they can go hours. Some people, they'll get and they'll open their Bible. They'll read for 45 minutes. They'll pray for 45 minutes. They're just amazing. That is not me. That is not your pastor. Now, before you run out the door screaming and find a really mature pastor, I will just say that I hope that's encouraging to you. I spend about 15 to 20 minutes every single day with the Lord, and then I use that as kind of my fuel to touch in with him throughout the day. And we'll talk about that. And that's number two, which is prayer. So you have this daily devotion. It's not rocket science. You spend some time in the word. You spend some time praying or whatever. And then there's prayer. And that can take all different um, uh, personalities and perspectives. Some people are really good at prayer. They, I mean, not good. I just mean they are just really intense at it. And they, it, have you ever heard those people and they're praying and you think to yourself, I am never going to pray in public because they just pray so flower-like and it's just perfect. They, it's like they wrote it out an hour ago and they just memorized it, right? You ever meet those people? That is not me. You're like, John, do you do any of these things well? No, I don't. But I do them daily and I do them consistently and that's what makes the difference. Think about your kids and how they talk to you. Or if you're single and you have a niece or nephew or if you have a neighborhood kid or whatever. No, your ki those kids don't talk to you all the same and they don't talk to you perfect. Right? They, they, sometimes they just come up, hey, dad, I don't, you know, they're whining, they're doing all this kind of stuff. That's how we approach our Heavenly Father. Sometimes we just whine. I don't like this. It's terrible. We talk, we'll talk about prayer. Number three is a tough one, repentance. And I'm not just talking about repentance in your quiet before God. I mean going to another human being and going, hey, you know what? I said some things the other day, and I, I realized when I was having my daily devotion, God kind of showed me that that might have been hurtful, and I just want to apologize. That is a best practice of people I know who are closely following Jesus. Number four is generosity. We'll be talking about that too. You're like, oh no, we're going to talk about money and the church. That's the, only, that's the reason I left the church in the first place. They're always talking about money. Look, I don't talk about anything you don't talk about. And you're always talking about money, okay? So I'll talk about it too. And then um, we'll talk about sacrificial giving. Um, we'll talk about serving, and what it means to serve someone else. And uh, in your groups, if you're in a group, or um, uh, you, you, you'll have a chance to serve as your group. And some, some groups will go and serve at a soup kitchen. Some will go clean up something. We'll have an event uh, for the neighborhood, uh, kind of our trunk or treat, you know, Halloween thing that the groups can come and help with so that at least you have something. But serving is such a vital part. It's such a best practice of those who are followers of Jesus. Number six is sharing your story. You're thinking, oh my goodness, I got to witness to people. That sounds so stressful. It's not. It's just sharing your story like you would any other part of your life. 
If I go out to dinner someplace and someone says, how was your dinner? I say, oh, well, it was pretty good. The, the, you know, the service was good. I liked the food, blah, blah, blah. You're just talking about I talk about my relationship with Jesus the same way. Oh, it was a tough day yesterday. I went before the Lord. I, I tried to cast my anxiety on him. It was so difficult, but I was able to do it. You're just sharing your story. Very simple. And then number seven is worship. And so those are the seven things we're going to be covering in the next 10 weeks. Um, and it's somewhat of a back to basics thing. If you say, John, I'm traveling all that time. I can't be in a small group. Um, and uh, just get, buy the book. We have a few more left in the, in the back. You can just be a part of that as we go along. We'd love to have you join us. And, uh, and if you're new to Living Spring, as we begin to kind of come back after COVID and all that, a small group would be a great place for you to be. So what, as I mentioned earlier, the first thing we're going to do is look at the early church because they were basics. They were just starting out. They had no way of knowing, like, what is this church thing? They didn't know what a mega church was like we know now. Uh, they don't know, you know, about all the, the institution of the church that we now kind of accept is just normal. They didn't have that. And so we're going to look at some of the things that they saw as important, and then we'll go from there to what Jesus had to say. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now understand this, this is just always rocks me. They didn't have a Bible here. They had the Old Testament, okay, but nobody carried around all the parchments of the Old Testament, they were sitting, that's where the, that's, they had them in the synagogue, right? And so you would go to the synagogue, they would pull out a scroll of Isaiah, they'd scroll it, and then they'd read it. Many people couldn't even read. And so their way of studying the Bible, we are so blessed because we not only have the Bible in English, we have like 50 different translations that all basically say the same thing, but in the vernacular, some that would be easier for you to understand. We got it easy. They just had the apostles' teaching. And so you could almost say they devoted themselves to the word of God. Okay? They devoted themselves to the word of God, the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship. Your relationship with Jesus is to be done in community. Okay? That's just the reality of it. To the breaking of bread, which uh, we believe is communion... And so that's, again, another communal fellowship thing and to prayer. So these are the things that they did. They just had the basics. They had the apostles' teaching. They had fellowship. They had prayer and they had communion. All the things that we would have typically on a Sunday morning or what have you. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And so God had given the apostles these wonderful gifts of signs and wonders because they, were, they needed some type of an authority. Otherwise, they're just guys or gals standing up and just saying, hey, here's what's going on. And it's kind of like, why should we listen to you? Well, God blessed them with that. Those signs and wonders still happen today. I absolutely believe that. It's just in a different context or however it works. But in this case, 
This is what was happening. They were performing signs of the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, you might think to yourself, oh, it just sounds like a homogenized group of people who all believe the same. That is not the case. As a matter of fact, if you go back just a few verses, you see that there were Medes, Persians, Syrians. They were all coming from all over uh, the region spoke all sorts of different languages. That's why they were speaking in tongues. Everyone heard them in their own language. And so they had different worldviews. They had different perspectives. But what they had in common was they were doing their best to become like their Lord and Savior Jesus. And so they had those things in common. Now, this is, now it gets a little more difficult. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, that's where you might be going, uh, I'm out. I'm not going to be doing, I'm going to be going to small group and selling my car and giving it to, uh, uh, you know, Joe who needs money. That, that, that's that's uh, not what it's saying here. This was the context in which the church, this is what that community needed at that time. Every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Do you know why they enjoyed the favor of all the people? Because they were different. It was a group of people from different perspectives, different families of origin, different cultures, and yet they all could see, they all seemed to be under the banner of Jesus. It was very cool. Now, that's how the church went. The church added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, the reason I brought this section of Scripture up was they weren't doing anything magical. They had best practices, and they put them into practice. And that is the thing I'm hoping that you will leave today with. What am I actually doing? Not what do I believe, not did I memorize the book of Philippians, none of that. What am I actually doing? What are my practices in following Jesus? So we shift from Acts and we shift over to Matthew chapter 7 and Jesus is talking to the people and they're amazed at his teaching because he's teaching with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. And he listened to the words, Jesus himself. If you're a follower of Jesus, if he is your Lord and Savior, this is your king talking to you. Here's what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, mine and puts them into memorization. Oh, no. Puts them into practice. Practice, practice, practice. Jesus is not concerned about how much I know. He is concerned with what I'm going to do. I can preach a 12-week ser sermon series. I really can on forgiveness. I could probably fill up 12 weeks of sermons on the topic of forgiveness. But if I do not forgive, that's what Jesus is saying. If you put them into practice, if you take what you hear and you understand it and you hear the Spirit of God talking to you and you say, I'm going to do that, 
He is like a wise man or woman who built their house on the rock. Okay? Then uh, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now remember, Jesus isn't talking about how nice your house looks in this. He doesn't say, oh, uh, it's like the man who's got a five-bedroom, uh, three-car garage. One's got, one, one's got a Tesla, one's got a Porsche, and the other one's got a uh, late-model Mustang. Okay, right? No. It's all about the foundation. It's not about the house. When these things happen, because our house is put on the, on the foundation, it will last. What is the key? Practice. The key is putting it into practice. This is why I've been here, let's see, so November, I will have been here 17 years at, at Living Spring. Every time I preach, every single time, it ends with something you're supposed to do. I am not interested in teaching you things that you just know. That I'm not interested in that because that's not building your house on the rock. Now, you need to know things in order to do things, okay, so we, that's why we Go over all these things. But unless we're doing them, we are like this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, does not do them, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, as I've mentioned, I have met many, many people who are really good at what they do in all sorts of areas of life, and I'm blessed to know those people. On the flip side, being a shepherd and meeting with people uh, on all different contexts, I also know people who are not good at what they do, <laughs> that their life is a mess, which is fine. That's what the church is for. That's what Jesus is for. But as I've told you about the people who are good at what they do, that they share different things, the same is true for when a marriage falls apart or somebody's finances falls apart or somebody's life falls apart or they can't handle their addiction anymore because they could manage it just right up to the edge but then something fell off the rails or they got a DUI or something really went wrong and that fell apart. And that's the same issue. They did not submit themselves to best practices. They did not save money when they had the chance to save. They spent money when they had the chance to save. They didn't invest in their uh, spouse. They invested in their career. And then when it fell apart, it fell apart with a great crash because they may have known a bunch of things from Scripture. They may, may have known a bunch of things from Jesus. But they didn't do that steady, every day, put into practice, build that foundation. I'll give you another example. Jesus talked about this same thing, but he gives a different perspective on this exact same idea. He says to the people, this is in Luke chapter 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? <laughs> what? what? Why, why do you say I'm your Lord, your Savior, your Master, and do not do 
what I say. Not learn, not memorize, not fill out things, not go to 17 Bible studies. Do, do, do. I used forgiveness as the example before. That's, what, that's a great example. Jesus modeled forgiveness. He taught about forgiveness. There's a billion different verses about forgiveness. Why am I not forgiving? Oh, well, John, if you heard my story, I don't need to hear your story. <laughs> I know it was bad. I've never met someone who needed to forgive someone for something good, right? If you need to forgive, chances are, really good chance, it was bad. So I get that. So Jesus is saying, you can hear me talk about forgiveness. You can see I modeled forgiveness. I said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Right when an innocent man was being tortured on a cross, right? But why do you say, oh, yeah, he's my Lord and Savior? And we don't do what he said. So here's what he says. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words, again, oh, it sounds exactly like the Matthew 7 verse, and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. Okay? They're like a man building a house or a woman building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Now, I brought a shovel from my house. Ugh, all right. Pretty much anybody. Oh, man, it's dirty, and that's a brand-new carpet. Okay. That is no bueno. Muy malo, Juan. Okay. Anyway, shoot. That is going to bother me. Okay. Anyway. Okay. It's a shovel, right? Pretty much anyone I've ever met can kind of figure this out, right? You just put your thing down there, you put your foot in, and off you go, and you're digging. I mean, we've been digging for ever since humanity was around. There's nothing complicated about this. The problem with digging is that it can be really, really hard, and it can take a long time. And depending on what the soil is, that's going to depend on how difficult the digging is, right? Now, Oftentimes, I've seen Christians, they're what I call soil samplers. They're not diggers. They dig, and they get a little bit of soil, and they study that soil forever, and they try to tell you everything about that soil, and the Greek, and the Hebrew of the soil, and the this, and the that, and all those different things, and they, they whatever, and that's great. I don't want to really surround my life with those people. I want to surround my life with diggers who are constantly, daily working at the foundation of their life. When they hit a rock, they keep working around the rock and they go, man, this is a part of my life that is messed up and I'm going to get rid of it because I need to dig down to get to the foundation. One of the things I love about Living Spring with all my heart is this is a church of doers. I, even when I was preparing this sermon, I'm like, I'm preaching to the choir here. But I wanted to encourage you to keep on digging because the people who listen to God's word, listen to what Jesus has to say and do it, they're like a person building a house who dug down deep. They kept working at it. They didn't get frustrated. They said, you know what? Right now in the season of my life, I can barely even get a tiny little bit. Have you ever tried to dig in really hard soil? 
It's a pain. You got to put water on it. Sometimes, you know, I don't know if you ever had to do this where you have to turn the shovel and you're just kind of like chipping away at it. You're like using it like almost like as a pickaxe. Those are the people I want to surround my, my life with. Diggers, right? He goes on. He said, when the floods came, now I want you to see the language Jesus says. Do you remember Green Acres? That's what I feel like right now. That was just all the old people, all you young people. It's this thing on a, it was a television show uh, that you actually had to like get up at a certain time to watch because it wasn't coming back again. When a flood came, when a flood came, the floods are coming in your life. They are. It's just life. You can't help it. All of a sudden, a spouse goes, you know what? I'm not being fulfilled right now. That's a flood. All of a sudden, you get a pink slip. Uh, in your cubicle, that's a flood. All of a sudden, one of your kids says, you know what, I, I'm running with this crowd. That's a flood. Maybe you get a diagnosis from one of your kids and you spend the next eight years trying to figure out how are we going to solve this. That is a flood. When a flood came, they are coming. The torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. Why was it well built? Because the person who built it was a digger. Every day, deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, the deepness of the digging is not how complicated the word of God is that you know the intricacies and you make it super complicated. And so, the reason I mention that is because for some of us, you're brand new to this walk. And you're thinking, John, I have just started digging and I don't even know where to dig. I don't even know how to do it or whatever. And I talked to some people and they know so much about the Bible. Let me let you in on a little secret. They might know a lot of Bible. But if they're not a digger, here's what the Bible says happens. But the one who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a man or woman who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The house may look incredible. You might walk in and even the pillows have scripture verses on them. It's just everything's about Jesus. Oh my goodness, look at this. Freshly painted. All the windows are clean. Oh my goodness, it's great. The car in the driveway has a WWJD bumper sticker on it. I mean, it's just awesome, right? Who built a house on ground without a foundation the moment the torrent struck that house? Because they weren't a digger, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. My prayer for us as we begin this series, and I, I, I would encourage you to be a part of every single one of these weeks because we're going to talk about some great practices. Even for those of us, I've been a Christian now for, I don't know, 40 years, something like that. Even for me, I love going back to basics. Everybody I know who's good at anything goes back to basics, goes back to running their scales if they're a musician, goes back to reading up on soil stuff if they're into planting or they, they're staying up on the latest things. Those people who are good at what they do, are doers. And my prayer, as Tanner and the worship band comes back up, is that this next 10 weeks would be a reset for some of us. And maybe you've wandered away. 
And you decided, you know what, it's fall, the kids are in school now, I want to get my life back in order. God isn't asking you to build some massive structure, okay? He'll do that. He's asking you to dig. He's asking you to make small little commitments over time, totally accessible. It's accessible to everybody. You say, John, I don't even know how to read. I've known people who are so just amazing followers of Jesus, and they could not read, but they were diggers. They were diggers. And so that's my prayer uh, for us as we move forward into these next 10 weeks. If you haven't signed up for a small group, there's a, a table in the back that you can do that. If you say, look, I'm just not ready to sign a small group or I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks, we really want you to be attending all 10 of those small groups. Um, then just grab a book and just join us with that. Uh, what we're going to do right now is... Um, just take a time. Tanner's going to sing a song, and you can stay in your seat and sing that, or if you're watching online, you can just sing along. Um, but other people, what they do oftentimes, they'll come up and they'll pray at the altar. It's just a time of reflection. Maybe for you, you want to do this. I, love, I like doing stuff like this where I, I'll come up and I'll kneel and I'll just tell the Lord, I want to be a digger. I want to be someone who just does what I'm told to do by you. Would you show me a couple areas this week? Just maybe one or two where I can begin digging. And then you have the privilege of hearing the voice of God. Some of you might have something you're going through right now, and that's why we have uh, Pastor Keith and Claudia there at the cross. They're, they know what they're doing. They know how to pray, and uh, they can pray for you no matter what it is. It doesn't matter. And so uh, we just keep this time open for you to connect with God. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you make following you accessible. Not easy. Not easy. Sometimes the ground is very hard, uh, but you make it accessible to us. So God, I pray as we reflect during this time, as we pray, that we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name. stand for the blessing. I'm telling you, I had a great time in Korea, but I'm so happy to see you guys. It's always, always a joy and an honor, just a privilege to be your pastor, one of your pastors, and uh, so uh, just happy, happy to be home. Now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His peace in his strength, in his courage, and in his love. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.